Good morning, 24 Church. Hope that everyone is doing well. Uh, missed you guys, missed getting to see everyone, but I'm so uh, thankful and honored to uh, get to share with you this morning. Um, today, we want to just look at one verse and unpack that. We're going to use some other verses to, to uh, interpret what those things mean. Uh, and I hope today that we walk away uh, understanding what the kingdom is and what being a citizen of it uh, is as well. Uh, I just got back in town from vacation with my family and it was fantastic. Uh, it was great. And I am ready to um, get to share God's word with you. I'm ready to get to see you again, uh, which next week uh, we'll be able to meet again together. Uh, I want to invite you to that uh, at Pleasant View Christian School. So today, as you're sitting there watching on a computer or on a screen of some sort, if you've got a Bible with you, uh, open it to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Some of the most amazing uh, things that Jesus has ever said. And really shortly, like the, there, it starts off with a few verses called the Beatitudes. Uh, and the word Beatitude is Latin. Uh, I mean, it's from Beatus is what it's called. Uh, and it means to be blessed. And so we see these first few statements that Jesus starts this great sermon on, his, one of his greatest teachings. Uh, we see him start it with these blessings. And he starts every one of them with blessed are. And they're kind of an overarching concept of the ethics of the kingdom of God. So they shift this paradigm of what the world has taught us to believe and think and give us an idea of what it looks like to live to just be a citizen in the kingdom of God. And the first one is of utmost importance to us, and it's worth looking at. The first, and it says this. It says that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it might sound kind of weird, and so we're going to break that down and, and understand what every single part means. And there's three parts. We see this word blessed, and we have to ask, what does blessed mean? Then we'll ask, what is poor in spirit? And then we're going to see, what is this kingdom of God? So, if we think about what the word blessed means in this case, it doesn't mean just some kind of temporal or momentary joy or happiness uh, or one kind of blessing. Now, this idea of blessed uh, means to be in right standing with God, to be uh, a follower of Jesus's ministry, uh, to call him Lord and Savior. And in that, being redeemed to God the Father, we are blessed. So those who are blessed simply are this, those who are citizens of the kingdom. Uh, and to be in right standing with God is to be saved. Uh, it's to have a hope and a future, to experience the forgiveness and mercy of God. Uh, and this verse is going to deal with that a lot. The opposite of blessed is something that's not a very good word. It's cursed. Uh, and so today we, we see this blessing as a ultimately great um, goal uh, and ultimately great news for all of us. So we see this all through the Beatitudes, but the first one is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So we have to ask the question, what does poor in spirit mean? Right off the top, you kind of say, I don't know if I want to be poor in spirit. It doesn't sound too great to be poor in spirit. It doesn't sound like that would be enjoyable. So I want to turn to Luke uh, chapter 18. And Jesus talks about, a, he, he tells a story, it's a parable. He tells this parable, and I think that it perfectly frames 
and gives us a really great example of what it means to be poor in spirit. So if you want to turn to Luke 18 with me, uh, we are going to start in verse 9. And it says this, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified, rather than the other, the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So wherever you are just right now, as we've heard God's word, let's just pray for just a second. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to work in our our lives right now to reveal anything that uh, God wants us to hear and to see. Pray with me. God, we ask right now that you would move in your word, move in power. God, transform our hearts. Teach us what it means to be poor in spirit. God, today show us mercy. God, teach us today what redemption and righteousness really look like in your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this story, we see two people. We see the Pharisee and we see the tax collector. And Jesus uses this story to talk to an audience that he's, that he's there with. And this audience, uh, he knows that there's some people in it who are dealing with a couple of really, really big issues that Jesus doesn't like too much. And it says that in the first couple of verses. He, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and, and they treated others with contempt. So we have some people that he's teaching that uh, they think that their works, that their effort is what is going to make them righteous. And more than likely, it's uh, a bunch of church people of the day, Pharisees, scribes, rabbis, teachers around him, people who knew a lot about the law of God and who followed it. And the Pharisee in the parable in the story is kind of a representation of the people. So it's very, very clear that his audience is uh, those who trust in their own work to have righteousness with God. Obviously, the fact that Jesus is sharing this story tells us that that is a problem. That's a problem. So he takes this Pharisee who stands out in front of everyone so everyone can see and who is praying probably out loud, thanking God for being this great guy who follows all the rules, who's done everything right his whole life. He even mentions this tax collector. He says, I'm better than all of these people's extortioners, adulterers, and this tax collector. Thank you for making me so good. And he just, in his pride and arrogance and self-righteousness, stands in front of the crowd boastful. Jesus juxtaposes or compares and contrasts him with this tax collector who stands way away from everybody else because he doesn't feel worthy to be even close to the center of the temple, the place where the presence of God lives. Far off he stands because he, he's unworthy and he 
beats his chest. He can't even look up to the sky because he feels so unworthy. And he says, God, be merciful to me, a, a sinner. He is broken and he's repentant and he's crying out to God saying, have mercy on me. I know, I know that I have not lived up to what you have called me to live up to. I am not holy as you are holy. I am not righteous. In fact, everything that I've ever done has led me to despair and to brokenness. God, I need you and your mercy. And Jesus uses the tax collector, someone who to the ears of his listeners would be known as the most hated person in their society, the, the sinner of all sinners, compared to a Pharisee who is looked up to as this holy and great example to be. He compares him to the lowliest of sinners and says, this man goes home justified. And it's easy to see here, and it's such a great example of what it means to be poor in spirit. How I would say uh, the definition to me of what poor in spirit means is to recognize one's great need for God. And what that entails is to realize that you don't and can't do it on your own. That there's no amount of good works, there's no amount of church attendance, there's no amount of being nice to people, all the things that the world tells us that could possibly get us to heaven or save us or make us right with God, none of those things will add up. See, to be poor in spirit means to know and realize that we, without God, are cursed. To know that our sin and our actions have led us to a place of despair, having no hope, knowing that we will be under judgment because of what we've done. And in that moment, to be poor in spirit means to beat our breast and to repent and to say, have mercy on me, O God, sinner. See, that, that sentence could be the most important thing that you ever say. And if, and if you are watching on your phone right now, laying in bed, watching on TV, whatever, wherever you are right now. I know that we're not in the same room, but right here and right now, if the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you can't do this without God, there's no amount of good that you can do on your own to make you right with Him, then cry out, have mercy on me, O God, sinner. The Bible says that He is faithful to forgive us of our sins when we confess our sins. That if you cry out to God and say, Jesus is Lord, and you say, I believe with my whole heart that I am a sinner and I'm broken, that I'm in great need of you, God, and your grace and your mercy and your son, Jesus, he will save you. See, blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs really is going to be the kingdom. To be a citizen of God's kingdom, repentance has to happen first. Faith has to happen first, where we say, God, I, I can't do it on my own. I, it's not me, I'm not got my own God anymore. You are my God. So what's interesting here is that we see that we get an inheritance. 
We become part of something way bigger. And that's what the third part of the verse means. We know what blessed means, to be in right standing with God. We know now what poor in spirit means. It means to realize that with, we need God's like, mercy and help to be right, to be righteous. The third part of the verse says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We have a great inheritance waiting for us, for those who follow Jesus, for those who are poor in spirit. And this ethic, this ethic of the kingdom should completely dictate how uh, we interact with God and how we interact with this world. And so we want to look at that a little bit, and the rest of the story also kind of helps us to interpret that. See, toward the end of it, after Jesus says, that the man, the tax collector goes home justified, which I'm sure just shocked everyone that he was talking to. I'm sure that everyone was going, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, you, you mean the other way around, like the religious guy, that church guy, the one who's doing everything the right way, that's the one who's justified. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. The tax collector, the one who you think is the worst sinner, no, that's who's justified. So I'm sure that they're shocked at this point. So at that moment, Jesus, like a great teacher, says this, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. We know this. The gospel is beautiful in this way. The gospel is this, that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to God, and he came and he took on the form of a servant, and he served me and you. He paid a ransom for me and you, a king for slaves, a king for traitors. He came for me and you. He humbled himself. He took on flesh and he hung on a cross for us. So as a believer, as a citizen of this kingdom, when we follow Jesus, we follow in the path of humility. It's the only path that we can, but Jesus teaches an important lesson that goes completely against what the world says. Completely against what the world says. Our, our world says that we've got to progress, that we have to evolve, that we have to exalt ourselves, that we have to strive for the next level and be greater and be greater and be greater in this world, to be more respected to make more money, to be more successful, all these things that the world tells us will fulfill us, that will give us what we need. And Jesus is saying, that's not what you need. Jesus is saying, you need to be right with God. You need to be poor in spirit. You need to humble yourself because those who don't, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. They will be cursed. And so we see this new concept of the kingdom. The kingdom is completely different than this world. We see that the kingdom, we seek to be humble and we seek to serve people. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Not only does it identify and realign our relationship and standing with God, but it also like, has to realign our relationship with other people. It has to. See, when Jesus shares this story out of, out of Luke, this parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector, the reason he does it is because people thought that they got righteousness from their good works. That's one half of it. But the other half is because they were looking at others in contempt. They judged others, just like the Pharisee did. Thank you, God, that I'm not like extortioners and adulterers and this tax collector. See, when we rely on exaltation of ourself, when we become self-righteous, that's when we do everything that we can to defeat and disprove and exalt ourselves by, by demeaning other people. 
and we get into this race of just being right. And, and we seek just to be right about everything. And when we're right about everything, we do our best to prove everyone else wrong. And Jesus is saying, that's not my kingdom. That, that's not what my kingdom is. I don't want you to be supreme over, the, over other people. I don't want you to be exalted. I, I don't want you to be above other people. I want you to humble yourselves and be a servant to them. I want you to love your neighbor, and I want you to love your enemy. I, I want you to, to turn the other cheek, and, and I want you to pray for those who persecute. You see, my kingdom is different than this world. I, I don't know about you, but uh, the past uh, couple of months have been different. <laughs> Um, with a lot of things getting thrown at us. And it's been happening for a while, this kind of phenomena and the way our culture has kind of started to drive, our, uh, uh, drive the, the things. But we see more and more even now that we've got all this kind of free time on our hands and we can't be out and about like usual. And some of the, the social things that are happening in our country and political things that are happening in our country are going on. But... I feel like more and more of the world is, and our culture is polarizing us. Where when an issue gets presented to us, it's almost as if we feel like we're required to choose a side. That I can either think this way about it and the other way is wrong, or I can go the other direction and I, that means I have to believe that anyone who disagrees with me is wrong, as if there's just two choices to every issue. That I'm either right or left. I'm either red or blue. I'm either pro or anti. I'm either for or against. And it's just one or the other. And Jesus is completely different. The world says right or wrong, choose one. Draw the line in the sand on this issue right now. Our culture says, you have to choose one. You have to pick a side. And then you have to fight the other side. And we go about this like social conversation that looks more like a civil war that divides. And we even see it in the church happening. And it's sad. And Jesus says, that's not what my kingdom is like. See, I'm not saying, Jesus says, I, I don't want you to be right or wrong. That's not what... You do, I don't think that you'd walk the line here or here. He's saying, humility is your only choice as a citizen of the kingdom. And, and the reason is, is because our priority is no longer our opinions. See, now our priority is people. When we're poor in spirit, we can't judge any other human being. Because at some point, we had to look at ourselves and go, we don't measure up. And only, the Bible even says, only a righteous man can judge the unrighteous. And I know for a fact that I'm not righteous at all. And the only thing that makes me righteous is Christ's righteousness in me that was imputed to me, that was given to me, that was shed and poured out onto me, when I looked at God and said, I can't do any of this on my own. See, to be a citizen of the kingdom, your first step into that life is one where you said, I am full of mistakes. In fact, I'm wrong about everything. And so, 
when we are poor in spirit, how then can we judge someone else when we deserve judgment? We, we even see later on in the Beatitudes, it said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. See, Jesus is saying my kingdom's different than this world. You've been shown mercy, have mercy. You've been shown love, now you know what it is, show love. You know forgiveness, now you can forgive. And I feel like our opinions have taken priority over what Jesus has told us to do. That's to go and make disciples. See, our self-righteousness is getting in the way of our mission. And I'm the same way. Uh, I, I am very, 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 it's easy, at least in my mind, to look at a situation and quickly go, mm, don't, don't like that, mm, don't agree with you. And in that moment to make a quick, quick judgment call and go, mm, you must not be all that smart. Or uh, you probably shouldn't be talking. It's easy for us to quickly try to put others down to exalt our own selves, even if it's just our opinion or our view or whatever it might be. So I challenge you to say this. If we want to live by this ethic of the kingdom, if, if we really truly do know Jesus and we truly are a citizen of the kingdom, one way that we can know whether or not we are living out this poor in spirit thing is how we view other people when we don't agree with them. And so I want to challenge you, sitting there right in your living room or your bedroom, wherever you might be, I want to challenge you. Are, are you being poor in spirit? One, are, are you right in right standing with God? Have you cried out to God for repentance and said, Jesus, I need you, I can't do it on my own. But, but secondly, if, if you're a follower of Christ, are you prioritizing others? Are you judging others? To be poor in spirit is to sacrifice yourself on an altar. To say, it, I don't matter anymore. My opinions don't matter anymore. Jesus, what should my opinions be? My political affiliations don't matter anymore. Jesus, lead me in what to do or who to vote for or how to believe and think about this. Jesus, lead me to believe or lead me to, to love people that I don't agree with. That's the test. Are you contemptuous and judgmental with people? If you are, here's the greatest thing ever. Cry out to God and say, God, I repent. That's not, I know that's not you. I know that's not what it means to be poor in spirit. Say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the greatest thing about the gospel is that he forgives and forgives and forgives, and there is mercy that is abundant and that's eternal. So don't turn away in shame, but repent with joy. The kingdom is at hand, and that's what Jesus said. And honestly, now more than ever, the world needs the kingdom. The world needs to see that there can be good, <laughs> that there can be unity, that there can be mercy, that there can be truth and grace, that there can be faith that's rich and deep and real, and they need to see something. They need an example of what a good kingdom looks like, what a good ruler looks like. We need to be poor in spirit so people can see Jesus. Your neighbors, your enemies, the people on, that you completely disagree with in person or online or whatever it might be. And so I just challenge you today, 
Are you representing the kingdom today? I'll finish with this. Our goal, completely and honestly, is not just to be right, but it's to display Christ's righteousness. And today in Jesus, we can display God's glory in the form of his son when we are able to admit, I am wrong. Hard to say, very hard to say. You can ask my wife, it's hard for me to say that I'm wrong. And I prob- I'm guessing that there's a lot of wives out there nodding their heads. It's not easy to admit that we're wrong, but it's the very, very basis of what it means to be a Christian. When we look at God and say, God, I've been wrong. But he's a good father. He is a great, great, great savior. He loves us. And the, the other great thing is that we get to show people that when we in the church wrong one another or we disagree with one another, we get to show other people what it looks like to be able to show mercy and be able to forgive, to humble ourselves and to not exalt ourselves. We don't want to be religious people. We want to be Christ-like people who display God's glory to our neighbor, even to our enemy. That's all I've got for us today, but let me tell you, this is something that is just continuing to Uh, mold my life, and I'm completely convicted about all the time. Uh, I encourage you to talk about this with maybe your, your spouse or your friends or your kids to say, hey, what does it look like for a family to be poor in spirit? What, what does it look like for me in my workplace to be poor in spirit? What does it look like for me to be online even to be poor in spirit, in my home to be poor in spirit? And I promise you that Jesus will There's the power of his spirit will show you what that is and lead you to great things. Uh, thank you for letting me share with you today out of God's word. And my prayer for you is that uh, we would together display God's glory for this city. Uh, and through this time where it is just unsure uh, that we would give hope to people who are hopeless. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, that we could be right with you, that we could have righteousness, and not because we had to work hard for it or do what's right in your sight, God, but because Jesus did, and we just cry out for mercy. God, we, we admit that we are full of fault and full of sin, so we repent, God, of our sins of contempt for other people or self-righteousness, God, put those to death in us. God, send us out in this world to be agents for good and for change for your kingdom, Jesus. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for your church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.